Case file number 4.12, going to church, observed by Agent Crenshaw. Subject 1, alias Hackalope. Subject has a history of working in computer security for over 20 years. He has been observed to several Fortune 500 companies and federal agencies during that period. He has been amassing historical information related to espionage and covert action as well as corporate malfeasance. Subject 2, alias Emir. Subject has a history of working in computer security for the last 10 years. He has been observed at NASA facilities regularly. We've also tracked him to the gym where he seems to be bodybuilding. We are amassing evidence to charge him with felony for skipping leg day and curls on the squat rack. Subjects are suspected of having information related to hacking the Gibson. Uh, the accounting subdirector and the Gibson's working really hard. I think we got a hacker. And I'm finally back, actually, to hosting some of these episodes after a significant hiatus and moving and everything. Slacker. <laughs> I know a while back, I think we made reference to today's episode, which is going to be on the church committee. It definitely came up in the first in the first Crypto Wars episode, maybe mm-hmm. even the second. Okay. Not the third, though, but from what I know, which is just a little bit. Yeah. It'll come up. I, some of the stuff that, that we're going to talk about today is going to come mm. up again in Crypto Wars Part Four, right? And I think I might have referenced as well the the CIA wiretapping episode as well because that mm-hmm. kind of yeah. played into this uh, too. But yeah, the Church Committee itself uh, was officially per- approved by uh, the Senate on January twenty seventh of nineteen seventy five via a vote of eighty two to four to investigate a host of troubling information coming out about the intelligence activities going on in the United States. Uh, There was a lot of reporting around this time of like the U.S. spying on certain individuals and um, attempting to assassinate other individuals and all all hosts of things. Mm -hmm. And there was a revelation by Army Intelligence Officer Christopher Pyle in January 1970. Relation to Gomer Pyle? I don't know. Possibly. That, that, that really dates us that we both know that name. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's how that guy did so well in the army. He had family mm-hmm. connections. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, anyway, uh, the, sorry. Oh, yeah. No, no. He just, uh, he basically said that the, the U.S. Army had been spying on the civilian population for a while. And on December 22nd, 1974, the New York Times published an article by Seymour Hirsch, which detailed the CIA operations over the years that had been dubbed the family jewels, which I also think we kind of referenced maybe in an episode. Yeah. When we were talking about doing this episode, it's surprising how many of the, of the things that we know about with the NSA and the CIA and the FBI that came all came out of this, Uh, which is why I was like, I was so eager for this episode. (laughs) We keep saying, Oh, we referenced it here, but it turns up everywhere when we talk about anything intelligence related that happened before 1975 and not a non-trivial number of things that happened afterwards yeah 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 exactly there's tons and tons of stuff the family jewels uh they were a set of reports that showed illegal inappropriate and sensitive uh activities conducted by the cia ranging from 1959 to 1973 most of those documents were released around june 25th of 2007 Mm -hmm. the reports that uh Make up the family jewels were commissioned in 1973 by CIA Director James R. Uh, Schlesinger in response. Schlesinger, yeah. Schlesinger, in response to press accounts of CIA involvement in the Watergate scandal, Mm -hmm. and mostly in regards to supporting the burglars, who Mm -hmm. were uh, E. Howard Hunt and James McCord, who were both CIA veterans. Yeah, 
there, there, there were FBI and CIA veterans uh, that were related to the whole plumber's dirty tricks uh, committee to re to, to uh, reelect the president. Right. I actually, I happened to be uh, re-listening to, to some stuff on uh, the Watergate break-ins and mm-hmm. E. Howard Hunt's expertise in bugging was actually instrumental in them undertaking the whole bugging attempt. Oh, really? They conceived of this as of one of very many plans. G. Gordon Liddy had some really nutty plans including Mm -hmm. basically arresting anybody who might uh, protest the Republican National Convention. Oh, wow. Really? That that was one of the plans that he proposed with a straight face. Jeez. But uh, part of what of the reason that bugging the Democratic uh, National Committee office, why that plan came up was Mm -hmm. because they thought they could get away with bugging because they had CIA personnel that had bugging expertise. Specifically E. Howard Hunt. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, damn. A a few of the highlights of the family jewels were that there was the confinement of the KGB defector uh, Yuri Ivanovich Nosenko. Ivanovich Nosenko, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It basically uh, could be considered a violation of kidnapping laws, uh, what they did. The wiretapping of two columnists, uh, Robert Allen and Paul Scott, uh, Mm -hmm. call back to Project Mockingbird, which I think we talked about in my, like, CIA like random stories roundup episode. Yeah. There were break-ins at the homes of uh, numerous former CIA employees and other people of interest. Mm-hmm. The opening of mail uh, to and from the Soviet Union from 1953 to 1973, including letters associated with actress James Fonda, over 215,000 pieces of mail under the program uh, HT Lingual were opened and photographed uh, during this time period. And this was done during or using a mail covers program, which I didn't know was a thing until researching this, it basically allows the government without any warrant or notification to document all of your mail and where it's going and just take photos of the outside. However, during this time, the CIA was hiding some of this mail in their coats and taking it home or just going into a different room and actually opening it um, and hiding that from the USPS. It's, you know, it's kind of against the law. Yeah, not like, and the USPS <laughs> takes this stuff seriously. Always has. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. They, they were the first federal law enforcement agency. Was the USPS uh, Postal Police? Yeah, or, I forget what they their original name was, but they do not joke around at this. <laughs> mm-hmm. There were the uh, MK Ultra LSD experiments, which I'm sure mm-hmm. we could do an entire episode on. The assassination attempts against Fidel Castro and numerous leaders of the Dominican Republic and um, uh, one leader of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. The attempts on Castro even involved members of the American mafia who were approached under the pretense of being from an international corporation who wanted Castro dead due to lost gambling interests. And the CIA sent operatives to actually like touch base with these guys, then got into contact with uh, mafia leadership. And then the CIA supplied these leaders with six poison pills that they then attempted to try to put into Castro's food, but were ultimately unsuccessful. So we mentioned Operation Gladio. I mean, it was maybe a little bit of a stretch to bring in Operation Gladio when we talked about the Italian job. (laughs) But the mafia CIA connection is reasonably well documented over uh, over several operations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You'll hear this kind of thing talked about sometimes when people are talking about like JFK and stuff, because JFK was the sign off on some of these attempts. Right, right. And they'll talk about like about the mafia stuff. And and that particular part 
it was like people are like, no, nah. it's like, no, no, this is actually one of the pieces that we we have good solid evidence on. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, no, they definitely had connections. Like <laughs> that that the CIA mafia connection is very interesting. I I almost want to do a thing about it. I've read a couple of books that I think are that are think are good solid sources, but I feel like I really need to get to find out the original source material, the original artifact mm. that makes the correlation before I could before I'm totally confident about reporting it. But I've seen right, it in, right. in some real history books, rather uh, academic history books, not you know conspiracy theory stuff, which I find fun myself, or at least did before the turn of the 21st century. But. <laughs> Yeah. Be beyond the the whole mafia thing, there was mm-hmm. a ton of surveillance of citizens in Detroit at this time. There was the testing of electronic uh, equipment on US uh, telephone circuits mm-hmm. um, for wiretapping and then there was the amassing of files on over 900 or 9900 US citizens related to anti-war movements, so they were keeping track of pretty much everyone. Yeah. And so you know, the church committee convened, um, they published uh, quite a few reports that can all be found online now. But there was an uh, interim report as well titled Alleged Assassination Plots Involving Foreign Leaders, which was you know, obviously completely devoted just to uh, the U.S. attempting assassinations. And one of the most uh, notorious cases, uh, first exposed in the 60s, but then fully documented by the church committee, was the wiretapping of Martin Luther King Jr. by the NSA yeah. uh, and the mm-hmm. FBI under Hoover, who believed at the time MLK was part of the uh, communist conspiracy. Yeah. Some of this really exposed Hoover's association of basically anything on the political left mm-hmm. from anti-war agitation to equal rights. It's hard for us to conceive of how big a deal and how big a schism that was. It, well, I guess maybe we're beginning to understand <laughs> yeah, that nowadays. Yeah. But it was, I mean, it was a very big thing. And 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 um, Hoover and several notable people on the right really saw this very this very big delineation. Nixon is recorded as saying some of this stuff many times. Mm-hmm. They conflated the risk of russian intelligence operations with any effort by the political left and what we see here what i think the church committee really exposed from from the stuff that i've read about things like con intel pro and whatnot is that when they didn't find anything associated with with uh, soviet intelligence or agitation operations they just put their focus on the political left because they didn't see a difference in their head and they never took their foot off the gas right right yeah I mean, we could probably do a full episode just on uh, all the uh, Martin Luther King Jr. stuff, uh, the surveillance, yeah. the other actions taken against him. But there's also a podcast um, called the MLK Tapes mm-hmm. that goes very in depth on um, just everything related to that time period. I haven't actually sat down and listened to it myself, um, but like the trailers that I've listened to seem very interesting. So at some point, I'll probably check it out. Yeah, I mean, th- th- this is one of those things that goes super deep. But it, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. And on May 9th of 1975, the committee decided to call on the acting CIA director, William Colby. The same day, President Ford's advisors had gotten together, who were Henry Kissinger, uh, Donald Rumsfeld, Philip B. Buchan, Buchan and uh, John Marsh, 
and they had drafted a recommendation that Colby uh, only brief the committee and not actually be called to testify on anything. However, the church committee basically had the authority to call a hearing and requires testimony. And so they did just that. Ford and his advisors met with Colby uh, prior to this to kind of prep him for the hearing. And those are the, the documents um, that I'll have kind of in the show notes uh, that logged all the conversations between uh, Ford, his advisors, and Colby. Uh, Colby testified that, quote, these last two months have placed American intelligence in danger. The almost hysterical excitement surrounding any news story mentioning CIA or referring even to a perfectly legitimate activity of the CIA has raised a question whether secret intelligence operations can be conducted by the U.S. Well, the thing is, we commonly hear that argument every time mm-hmm. there's any scrutiny. And I'm still trying to decide how much of this I want to cover in the rest of the Crypto Wars episodes. Mm-hmm. But we get the exact same argument when the NSA was called on deceiving Congress and te- let's say testing, at least testing the limits of, of their charter, if not outright breaking them right. in their cell phone observation activities. We hear, you know, if we have to tell anybody about this, we, we're, we're compromising our intelligence efforts. Like, yeah, but mm-hmm. you've been caught enough times overstepping the bounds of your authority. That yeah. Possibly it's more important <laughs> that there's more that, there's more of an eyeball on you because it's been proven time and time again that when there's no scrutiny, we don't see this. And and like mm-hmm. even the, the members of Congress that have oversight on this, they get to see at least at least some of this, the, the, the top line stuff on this. And when they are concerned, they really can't talk about it. They can only say we're very concerned about what the CIA is doing or what the right. NSA is doing or whatever. They can't talk about specifically because they're constrained i've done cleared work before and Mm -hmm. like they're constrained by similar restrictions to me and i mean i signed my name on the dotted line i i I knew what i was getting into but there is a presumption when you do that that everybody's acting in good faith yeah yeah and like when they're not the system has not done a great job at dealing with when things are not being done in good faith you know what? I'm going to amend that because this is a, this is one of those things where you don't see the successes, you only see the failures. Mm-hmm. We can't make strong statements. We have seen what we can say is that we have seen the lines overstepped. We've seen it again and again, and even in relatively recent history. We know that there are failures in the internal behind the curtain systems for regulating this. I think that we can say that based on the on the real evidence that we have in front of us. We can't say that the failures that we did see weren't the things that made it through the cracks of of corrections that we did that that we didn't see. Mm-hmm. Right. In all fairness, let's not let's not say things we don't know. Yeah, that's true. This like the testimony from him kind of reeks of like. Uh... Uh, like when you were a kid and your mom would scold you or something and you'd just like be like, well, I guess I just can't do like, you know, X, Y, or Z. Yeah, I agree with you. And the there's a patina of entitlement mm-hmm. when you listen to the Kissinger um, Nixon, anything related to the Kissinger Nixon conversations and stuff about the committee to reelect the presidents, all of the all of the uh, the White House tapes related to that. It's got the same kind of, of, of feeling of. Hey, we should be able to do this. There's not that even if 
we think that they're that we're not playing above board we're entitled to do it right yeah because you definitely get the get some get some um acknowledgement that they're stepping over a line even if they're saying well technically legally we can do this the fact that they're asking and the way that they're asking is but maybe we shouldn't be like maybe this should be against the rules yeah, even if yeah, we can yeah. get away with it kind of thing i don't yeah, exactly. um, i mean you went through a ton of different operations i think that's kind of the really important part about this mm-hmm. is that it wasn't one overstep it's that over a period of two decades there was this whole list of documents of different places where you where the cia or or the cia or the nsa or the fbi overstepped their bounds yeah yeah exactly it wasn't like oh we're gonna come at you really hard because you screwed up one time it's like hey we have like 30 different cases here what the hell guys like over decades i think that well, I'm sure we'll go through more of the story of exactly what went on in the, in, in the actual hearings and, and what came out of it. But I don't know, even just this far in the, in the, in the Wikipedia article reading that I did previously, mm-hmm. I can't help thinking that we need maybe another one of these, even if the results aren't public, I'm continually concerned. Yeah, it's a growing concern. And like I said, the notes um, for the show, there's one conversation in particular, because there's like 31 documents, Mm -hmm. Um, all just, you know, Ford and his advisors talking to Colby ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And but in one of them, uh, when Church was uh, ending his line of questioning against Colby, by saying that Colby basically said, like, well, the CIA um, policy is we don't, we have nothing to do with assassinations. Like that's our policy. And church said, it's not, it's not enough to just have that policy. Like there needs to be a law that prohibits mm-hmm. the government from doing assassinations during like times of peace, like ridiculous mm-hmm. that we don't have this. We just kind of go, we go with your policy and like, who knows if you're actually adhering to it or not. So uh, during that, um, Kissinger had a response to that line of thought by church that basically was, uh, quote, it's an act of insanity and national humiliation to have a law prohibiting the president from ordering assassinations, which is kind of insane to think about. I don't know. I find that I look at that in comparison to some of the things that were said, like uh, Dick Cheney, when he was in Congress, was part of the the response about Nixon, some of, some of Nixon's uh, use of power stuff. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm not, I don't remember exactly what it was, but he was part of a minority opinion that was the core of the unitary executive theory idea that the president basically can do whatever he wants and that nobody really has the authority uh-huh. to tell him not. The only thing you can do is either impeach him or vote him out. And this is just smacks of that is that there yeah. should be no controls on power. And it's like, that's the other side of the coin of. Uh-huh practicing what you pe- preach, living up to the rules that you set for yourself is yeah. that other people can trust that. And every time I hear these things about, you know, guardrails and, and about not putting in guardrails or when mm-hmm. they are, you know, making them only, only out of paper, we have a number of international relations problems that specifically relate to the fact that we have violated our terms and violated our our own rules of engagement several times i mean 
This is yeah, one yeah, of yeah. the problems we have in Africa quite a bit. There's there was an incident where basically the CIA performed an operation under the guise of vaccination. Mm-hmm. And that has uh, significantly reduced how much folks in Africa trust vaccination campaigns coming from the West. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, it's kind of crazy in a system that's supposed to be based around checks and balances everywhere mm. to then be like, oh, but like the president, he can do everything. Like he's, he's not our king, but he's also unquestionable and can make any decision he wants. And the only way to get rid of him is like a majority or not even a majority. It was a two thirds vote. Yeah, it's two thirds. Yeah. It's a two thirds yeah. vote mm-hmm. in the Senate. And well, and the other thing about that is that the same people that make those arguments a lot of times don't believe them when their guy is not in power yeah exactly like that's, that's always the thing is like trust the president and he is infallible oh wait is he's not ours um then he's completely fallible and we should like rip him out and like you know obviously not a political podcast um but it came to light that our last president donald trump actually ordered the national guard to fire on protesters yeah. and was basically told no and like you know if you're giving the president unilateral authority to do whatever he wants those are the kind of things that you are going to have to deal with the secretary of defense had to talk the president down from using troops against lawful protesters like the naked violence of we're just going to shoot them is appalling and the fact that there wouldn't have been something to prevent him from doing it if he hadn't been talked out of it. Yeah, 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 exactly. And there's a whole host of other things. Um, yeah. The only other one that stuck onto my mind was the firing uh, missiles into a foreign country and then pretending we didn't. Yeah. That, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you can just be like, not ours. Anyways, church committee. <laughs> the, uh, the committee itself also uncovered uh, the NSA watch list. Uh, mm-hmm. which at its peak contained millions of names, thousands of which were U.S. citizens. In fact, Frank Church was actually on that list, as well as like a few other members of the church committee. Yeah, this is actually one of the things that came up in the first Crypto Wars episodes. Mm-hmm. They started observing some of the uh, some of the folks that were developing cryptography on the private side. Yeah. <laughs> and another major revelation was Operation Shamrock, which uh, basically detailed major telecom companies were sharing traffic with the NSA from 1945 to 1970. And the information gathered fed directly into the NSA watch list and helped um, add details to that. Much of the contents of these reports were classified, but over 50,000 pages were declassified under the President John F. Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act of 1992, which is a mouthful to say. Yeah. And in response to pressure from these revelations, President Ford issued an executive order uh, entitled uh, 11905, which banned political assassinations. It's pretty heavily criticized, though, by Church and other members of the committee, because any future president can basically just nullify that or change the order in some way by themselves issuing another order. It only has a, a functional operation, assuming everybody's playing by the actual rules mm-hmm. of um, of acting as a canary. Because yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the, the president would have to countermand that executive order and then presumably put it back in place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Carl Bernstein wrote in a 1977 article in the Rolling Stone that the relationship between the CIA and the media was even more extensive than the committee had revealed. 
because throughout this entire process, they revealed like, you know, the CIA and media have been very buddy buddy. Mm-hmm. And in Bernstein's article, he stated that the committee had actually kind of covered up a lot of this since it would have been a national embarrassment to show just how uh, integrated the CIA was with the news media and other forms of journalism at the time, especially in the uh, 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. And the committee was uh, criticized after 9-11 for leading to the reduced capability of the CIA to gather human intelligence. A lot of people kind of pointed to that and said like, oh, well, this is why we basically 9-11 happened. You gutted the CIA from being able to monitor and track all this stuff with this, you know, crappy committee that you put together. And because of it, 20 odd years later, we had 9-11. Did they authenticate that in any way? I mean, because I would, I could see other causes mm-hmm. right now, as an example, in the FBI, because of 9-11, uh, they became very terrorism centric, very foreign terrorism centric, actually. Yeah. Um, and they took a lot of personnel, and this is, you know, documenting you can find this. They took a lot of the personnel to start that up from the white collar crimes division. Yeah, yeah. So- to a certain degree, these agencies of the entire intelligence community is motivated by the last major event or by the motivations of the um, of the current political climate. And mm-hmm. we've seen this, but we we've seen it before. We we do know that the concentration of effort moves not necessarily based on the current assessment of uh, of risks, but by the political climate. Yeah, yeah. So when you say something like that, I ask the question, well, what caused the distribution of the resources that you have? Uh-huh. And and where are we going to say that there were things that you would have been putting effort into that you didn't? Because the counter argument to that was that the Clinton administration, this is again documented, said to the W administration coming in that um, that terrorism coming from the Middle East was was going uh-huh. to be the the biggest problem in their presidency like literally those words were spoken Uh and the w administration because of a attitude of trying to distance themselves from everything clintonian everything that clinton put at least put his stamp on um, reduced the uh visibility of that kind of uh anti-terrorism uh project pre-9-11 uh-huh. Did that have a significant effect? Because I'm inclined to believe, given the things that we found out, you know, 10 years after 9-11, about what the NSA is doing and stuff like that, it was not a problem with the amount of information that they had as much as it was a problem with their concentration of resources. Yeah. And, you know, from my own knowledge, too, it was also a distribution of that knowledge. Because everyone was yeah. siloed together. It was very much akin to like the uh, 60s, 70s, 80s um, when serial killers were like, you know, that was a huge yeah. thing. And it was because every police district had information that they would not share with other districts. So you could literally hop from district to district murdering people and no one would ever know. The, another parallel that we talked about, and I think the first ransomware episode was the, one of the, the FBI's first big win about the Lindbergh baby. The big innovation there was that they were centralizing the reporting of the use of ransom money rather than mm. having it done in district by district. I'm just saying, like, this is a recurring thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. 
yeah, to, to say like, oh, it was this one thing and this is what caused it. Like, yeah, there might have mm-hmm. been like a little bit of fallout from this church I'm committee not, that, yeah, yeah, maybe led to this. I'm, I'm sure yeah. there was yeah. or there were some policies put in place, but definitely not the root cause. I'm not saying that there can't be an effect, but I have a hard time discounting all the other possibilities, given the things that we do know right mm-hmm. now about things that have happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In, in response to that, uh, the chief counsel of the committee, uh, Federico Schwartz Jr., uh, denounced the Bush administration's use of 9-11 to make, uh, quote-unquote, monarchist claims. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of leads us into the end of the episode where 9-11, like, as we've been talking, changed uh, a lot of the views of the American public on just how much the U.S. government was allowed to snoop and uh, spy on Americans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the Patriot Act, and basically the fear mongering of, well, you got to let us see everything, because if you don't, this could happen again. And then, you know, that kind of built up to a boiling point. And then we had the whole Edward Snowden incident, uh, incident mm-hmm. where it came to light again. Hey, by the way, the U.S. government's doing kind of just everything they used to do, like you know, they just looked into the bag of old tricks. And now we've seen kind of an, another turn of the the public being like, wait a second. And in fact, we're seeing even more of it right now, um, you know, with the repealing uh, Roe versus Wade and, you know, like the, um, the apps and everything tracking uh, women as they visit Planned Parenthood or abortion clinics or even yeah. uh, Zuckerberg and crew using uh, an app called flow that monitors uh, a woman's cycle and tabulating that data. So now they can track all that information on you. And, you know, it's not just the government, it's the the private sector. Well, yeah, I mean, this is, I I think that we, I forget which episode, but I think we talked a little bit about this, um, about the question that I keep coming up with, which is why these corporations get to know more about me than the government does. Mm -hmm. The fact is, if you don't let the government know it and you do let the corporations know it, the corporations are just going to sell that information to the government. We see it constantly. They're just another customer to these large corporations that make a a chunk of their money basically by profiling you. Yeah, yeah. And this organization will is selling to the government, specifically governments Mm -hmm. that are banning abortion across the board and trying to prosecute people location data of people that visit the stuff and it gets even worse with the uh with the texas abortion <laughs> laws and I, and mm-hmm. it's private citizens being able to essentially sue other private citizens as a means of of creating uh decentralized law enforcement you can sue somebody who went to go get a, an abortion mm-hmm. out of state for ten thousand dollars um that mechanism yeah even if texas isn't doing it that doesn't mean that somebody in Texas isn't making trying to make a private business out of it, which oh, is yeah, yeah. again appalling. Yeah, I mean, and I think Connecticut just passed a law that was basically like you can't sue people from com- going to Connecticut for having an abortion. So now you have all these states vying against each other, and it's just it's crazy. You know, I, I think the, the whole Edward Snowden thing might be an interesting potential episode to do at some point. So I've been, that's the thing that I've been debating because <laughs> both of us have had, have, have done cleared work. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the nature of clearance, I'm not allowed to look at that mm-hmm. because the, the rule is, and you'll see this guidance 
in a lot of places um, that just because it's been leaked to the world does not mean that it's been declassified. We've yeah, signed yeah. papers that say that we're not going to look at classified information that we don't, uh, that we have not get, been given the privilege of access to. Mm-hmm. And I have said for a real long time, I'm an honest mercenary. I signed the contract. I got them. <laughs> I, I got my end. So I, fo- uh, so I follow the rules that I signed off on. Um, right. I wasn't in a position because I don't, want to work in the intelligence community maybe that was subconsciously influenced by by the snowden situation where Mm. i've ever had to doubt that in terms of my morality and what i think the public should know yeah so on that basis i feel that i have every reason to live up to my word um Mm -hmm. and because of that i have a hard time thinking about how we're going to do that episode because i really think going through some of the original source material is important to doing it justice. Yeah. It's difficult. It's something we might consider in the future, especially if somehow things get declassified. I might have an idea or two on, on, on Hmm. us, on a get on a guest host to tell us the story of Snowden once removed. Oh yeah. That that even (laughs) works. But so yeah, I will end this episode by saying that I just saw Dr. Strange, uh, the Mm -hmm. multiverse of madness. And I'm pretty sure um, this multiverse iteration is incredibly shitty and we need to be moving to a new one. Yeah. Imagine the church committee in the MCU. They would mm-hmm. have uncovered uh, the Captain America experiment. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Hell Hydra. Hell Hydra. Recording notes can be found at www.hackingthegibson.online. Follow Hack the Gibbs 1 on Twitter to get notified of new recordings. Support the continued observation of Hacking the Gibson on Patreon.